welcome you tonight to our graduation. Um, we're here to celebrate the graduation of three brothers tonight, Blake Potvin, Sam Wright and, and Ronnie Hickland. One of the things I want to mention, one of the great joys of my year is always Easter. I mean, there's not a bigger time of the year for Christians to gather together and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what we have begun as a tradition for the last few years is that on um, Easter morning um, at sunrise, we meet out in our pavilion that for a few short minutes isn't the smoking area and is used to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so um, we do it every year and we honor the brothers that we lost over the past year um, in death. We also honor those who have put on Christ and died to their old life and begun a brand new life in Christ. And we celebrate that together and share our story and share the victories that we are experiencing in Christ. And so I really encourage you to come out. Of course, sunrise, if you're not familiar, is about 630 in the morning. So we encourage you. Apparently, Jesus was willing to get up that early. Um, so I want to encourage you to maybe consider likewise. So um, we would love for you to come out and support the families who will be with us, too, um, who lost some um, significant people. I went to a funeral just yesterday for one of our brothers. So uh, um, it's a very special time, an important time in our, in our year um, to celebrate this time. So I encourage you to join us. And as a special treat, there will be a pancake breakfast afterwards. But we keep, we keep track of you, by the way. If you're not here at 6.30, we're not sure the pancakes will be available for you afterwards. So just keep an eye out for that. But anyway, I'm just kidding. Anyway, it's great to have you here. Um, we thank you for coming out to celebrate these guys' accomplishments. Um, this is a huge milestone and a very important um, day, not only for them, but for their families who have journeyed through some very difficult and dark times at times um, to get to this point. So... Um, we're thankful that you've come out. Let me say a prayer for our event, and uh, I'll share a few other words. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this celebration. Ultimately, Father, as we recognize these three brothers, their families, and the journey that all of us are on, Father, most significantly, we honor you, Father, because this journey isn't possible without you. Um, you're the one that made this journey. You're the one created it. You're the one that gives us the opportunity to experience the freedoms that we have talked about and sung about tonight. Father, we thank you for breaking the chains that have bound us all and delivering us, Father, to a life of freedom, a life of joy, a life of love, a life of hope, that we have hope eternal with you. And Father, I pray that you will help us as we celebrate tonight um, your victory in our lives that you will be praised, you will be honored, we will be encouraged with this wonderful time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to share a brief message this morning, this morning, this evening, um, as we kind of dive into our subject tonight. So, um, as much, I mean, I, thought, I was thinking about this in terms of this journey. A lot of times we see quickly that in spite of the fact that we come from varied backgrounds and a lot of different experiences, we have a lot of things in common. And one of the things that, I mean, I've never struggled with the substance abuse, and maybe many of you have not either. But as you come and participate and get along with these guys, you realize quickly we have more in common than we have different. 
And that's a great bond that we enjoy and that we can celebrate and recognize that God is doing a work in all of us that we desperately need. But we also have uniquenesses, and I want to kind of highlight those tonight. We are unique in some very special ways. I mean, just like every snowflake looks the same, and yet we know that it's unique, that every leopard's pattern of spots is different, as everyone has a different fingerprint, a different DNA. We are all different in some very unique ways. And I was thinking about that in terms of uh, um, some passages. I was going to read a couple passages to highlight that. In Jeremiah 1.5, Jeremiah is reminded by the Lord. God says, before I, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And later on, the psalmist recognizes. Um, for I formed you um, in my inmost parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You see, it just strikes me that how God called Abraham is now how God called Jonah. How God guided Moses was not the same way God guided Gideon. How God used Noah wasn't the same way that God used Isaiah. How God reached Nicodemus was not the same way that he would talk to the woman at the well. How God called Nathaniel wasn't the same way that he called Peter. How God converted Lydia of Thyatira <laughs> is not the same as he called the thief on the cross. And as God loved Martha, so he loved Mary differently. And so all of us have uniquenesses. All of us are touched in different ways. And how God reached his apostle Thomas after the resurrection was different than the way he reached all the other apostles. And I wanted to share a little bit of that story. So if you remember the story, in John 20 and verse 19, it says, On the evening of that day, the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, understand this. A lot's happened in a weekend for them, right? Jesus was crucified on Friday. By Sunday, there's news of his resurrection. There's confusion. There's all kinds of chaos going on. They're locked in an upper room for fear that the Jews are going to find them and take them off and do the same thing to them that they just saw them do to Jesus. And so amidst that, all of a sudden, Jesus appears in the room and says, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If, they, if you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, interestingly, for whatever reason, the apostle Thomas was the only one not there. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if Sunday night he had gone out to the movies or if he was shopping or whatever, for whatever reason, Thomas wasn't there that night. And so later on, the disciples told him what happened. They said, now, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. I mean, you can imagine, I mean, that news, right? And they couldn't wait not to tell Thomas, we've seen Jesus. He's risen from the dead. We've seen him. And of course, what they hope is that Thomas can go, yes, amen, that's awesome, that's great. And you, what Thomas says is this, unless I see 
his, in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand on his side, I will never believe it. And I can imagine disciples being deflated. Dude, really? After all this time, that's where you're at? Really? And then it goes on. Eight days later, the scriptures say. Eight days later. His disciples were inside again. Thomas with them. You ain't missing it again, all right? I ain't going, I'm not going shopping. I'm, I'm staying here now. All right, Thomas with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he turns to Thomas, specifically to Thomas. And he says, here's my hands. Here's my side. Put your hands wherever you need to. I wonder what Thomas's thoughts were in that moment. I mean, part, if I'm Thomas at that time, I'm thinking, who ratted me out to Jesus? <laughs> you know? It's like, really? I mean, I didn't do well last week, and you had to make a deal about it. But Thomas then, and amazingly, Jesus says, do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And, and in the Gospel of John, this is really the pinnacle event in the Gospel. That this skeptic turns to faith, turns to belief. That all the doubting Thomas that had lasted however long was gone because he had seen Jesus. And I don't know what you come with tonight. I don't know what you're, what the what the adjective to describe you is. If it's doubting so-and-so or skeptical so-and-so or whatever it is. Jesus' intention for every one of us is stop disbelieving and believe. Whatever that takes. Wherever we are, wherever we sit. See, the beautiful thing about the gospel is God is going to meet us uniquely where we're at to take us to where he intends for each and every one of us to be. That's the beauty. And the beauty is that he can meet us there because he knows our hearts better than we know ourselves. He can meet us right where we are, as ashamed as we may be with that, as embarrassed and humiliated as that may feel, and bring us exactly to where he always created us to be. The uh, last verse says, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, the guys that were celebrating graduating tonight are those guys. They're the guys who yet having not seen it completely, believe it. That's us. Jesus said, we're more blessed than even the Apostle Thomas because of the opportunity we have to believe.
So tonight, we're going to focus our attention a little bit on that idea. What are our differences? How has God uniquely met us, touched us, moved us, and drawn us, and changed us? So I want to introduce our graduates to come up and grab a seat up here. So first, our 464th graduate of his way is Mr. Blake Potvin. Blake, come on up. And our 465th graduate from Chattanooga, Tennessee, Sam Wright. And our 466th graduate, Mr. Ronnie Eglin. So as I mentioned, you know, all these guys are at the same place at this moment, and yet they didn't get here the same way. And so I want you to kind of hear a little bit about how God touched and led each of these. And so I'm going to begin with uh, Mr. Hicklin. Ronnie? Uh, I think God's pretty much always been leading me in a direction. Um, I wasn't always wanting to go that direction, um, but he was always with me. Uh, my life led me, my decisions led me in Lincoln County Jail for about three years. And uh, all you have to do there is to focus on your mind, your body, and your spirit if you want to do anything productive in your life. And I got that early on, so I got my Bible. I read three different translations, you know, three times. Uh, I got baptized in a horse trough, uh, and it was the greatest experience of my life. Uh, I got an opportunity to come in, and uh, the sheriff, Murray Blackwelder, came in one day and asked me, he said, uh, you want a job? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm going to make an example out of you one way or another. So he gave me a great stepping stone. Uh, I was released in the community every day to go work on 501c3 projects, which is, uh, you know, they don't, it's just a free service to the community. Um, I met some of the greatest people I've ever known. Uh, the entire town of Lincoln County kind of adopted me. And uh, I did like I was working for the Lord. That's how I carried myself every day. And uh, even Miss Linda Williams, she, she gave me an address so that I could finally get out. Because without an address in Tennessee, you're, you're going to do every day they give you. Uh, I got out and I did great for eight months. And uh, I was watching. Francis Chan and Stephen Furtick and relying on their their teachings and their understandings and, and backslid on reading the Bible myself, but I had felt a closeness with God. Um, I fell, you know, gradually trying to prove points or, or whatever one might say, but I knew what I was doing. I felt like I, I knew I believed. I knew I'd given myself to God. And to go back, I felt like I blasphemed the Spirit. I felt like I would never be forgiven. And so every day was, was hell on earth. Um, there was no peace for me. Uh, everything I put my hand to do failed, and I'd never experienced that in my life. Uh, I had a friend, uh, Frank King, who had shook my hand when we were, in, when we were locked up, and uh, 
He said, one day I'm going to call on you to, to come wherever I'm at. And I shook the man's hand. And I don't think even he knew at that time what it entailed. Uh, at my worst, I'd been so far away from people, so disconnected that, that no one would have known if I died. I was that far away. I was, I was that scared of losing the rest of my life. Um, I worked on a starter for three days. And that's, that's unheard of for me. Um, I finally came to his way and uh, I was so conflicted within me. Felt like I was locking myself up again. You know, I felt like I was I had freedom out there, but I was so broken inside that I had no idea what to do. It was it was despair. It was it was the worst torment I've ever been through in my life to know right and continue to do wrong. And uh, and I got here, and the people that should be sitting up here right now are the Tom Reynolds and and Mike Rosses and Daryl Floyd's and the, even the Seth Bonds and. Gary Benford, these these people, the, the reason I chose gratitude is because there's no way I ever could have got my life back without the safety net, the counseling, the people that loved me when I didn't know how to love myself. Um, and I put my, my full energies into this. I put my full energies into focusing the relationship on God, to forming a brotherhood with all these guys, you know. There's nothing I can't do. Dale Sheeks has been the best friend I've ever had as far as a brother. I remember praying for a brother years ago. Somebody that you can love and trust at the same time, it's an unheard of thing in the world. You can't do it. You can always trust them with a couple of things, but they always let you down. I feel like I have a support system for the rest of my life. I feel like I got 15 years worth of brothers that anything I want Christian-wise, I can make happen. So I want to continue to do that for other people. You know, I want to continue to, to grow this brotherhood. I want to continue to grow the kingdom. I want to continue working for God because I've never experienced peace and joy like I do now. Uh, I went down the road a couple of weeks ago and I was test driving a car after I fixed it and was in awe of the direction of my life. Uh, I don't even recognize before. You know, I, I have memories of, of that guy, but the inward person is just it's new and it's exciting and i've got a firm foundation you know i i love this place i couldn't ask for anything better in my life and so i appreciate it thank you guys very much okay next we got blake potvin blake how y'all doing So uh, about two years, I uh, heard about this program actually through my mom. And um, I was in addiction. You know, it was, it was bad. Um, it was to the point where I really didn't care about myself. I didn't care what I was doing to other people. Um, I mean, I didn't even knew what loving yourself even meant anymore. Like, I don't know, like I hated my life for real. Um, the things I did to people, it was terrible. Um, so I came to this program, but I came because my whole family wanted me to come here, not because I wanted to come here. I didn't accept the fact that I needed help yet. And 
if you don't accept the fact that you need help before you come in this program and you come in here for, say, a court charge or because your friends or your family told you this is a good place, man, you really need to change. Well, if you're not coming here for yourself to change, you're not going to recognize what you need to change. And I was in here for about 70 days. I had just hit Blue Band and I got a job at Buffalo Rock. Um, everything was fine at first. I loved the job. And then uh, one day I was sitting there on lunch and one of the guys was talking about that they had pills and that's my DOC. And uh, I thought I was strong enough to say no. But then again, here I am thinking that I got this. Nobody else, you know, never even thought that God was in the picture at the time because I didn't care to be where I was at. I thought, you know, I got a job under my belt. I got money coming in. I'm doing all of this. Nobody else is helping me. And um, one night, I mean, I just, I let it consume me. I mean, it was 10 o'clock at night. I remember I was right next to the gym and I called my wife and I spoke paragraphs of lies about how I'm doing the best that I can. If you come pick me up right now, you know, I'm way better than I was when I first got here. I think I can do all of this. And I made her believe me because in reality, I mean, us, all of us addicts, I mean, we're great at lying. So, I mean, of course we can get anybody to believe us if they love us. And she came and picked me up and I thought everything was okay at first, you know, and I got home, was planning on going to work the next day. And then let me take it back. I didn't tell anybody I was leaving. So I waited until everybody went to bed at 1030 at night and then left. Didn't even bring anything with me, but my phone, my charger and a pair of shoes. And it was on Friday, actually. And I waited until Sunday because this is how scared I was to not tell anybody I was leaving. I knew on Sunday that everybody went to church at 830. I showed up here at nine o'clock when I knew nobody was gonna be here because I didn't want anybody to see me. Cause th that's how much guilt I had in me that I just, I couldn't do it. And I came and got all my stuff, left Sunday, and then Monday I went back to Buffalo Rock knowing that this guy had pills and that was my DOC. A week went by and I was doing okay. And um, finally I gave into it and I asked the guy to give me some. Well, it happened to be this day when I left for lunch, I came back and I was still in my car in the parking lot and um, the car was still on and I took these and I OD'd in the parking lot with my car still running. And um, the boss found me in the parking lot and I got banned from that job, which was probably the most embarrassing moment in my entire life. And I woke up in the hospital with my wife over my head asking me if I was okay, and she took me back to my car, and that car went from a full tank of gas to being on E, and I couldn't think of nothing, but that was God laying his hand on me the entire time because, I mean, there ain't no telling how long I was in that car. But um, after that happened, um, you would have thought that would have woke me up enough to the point where I would have stopped, but it, it didn't. I continued to keep going down that path it kept getting worse and worse. And then one day I was at the house, I was off of work. I mean, obviously getting high every single day, so I didn't really know what was going on. And it's, this is what woke me up. Um, my wife called me April 29th and she told me she just left the hospital. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What's going on? And she said, she just had a miscarriage. 
and um, it destroyed me. I mean, because of the fact that I didn't even know that she was pregnant first off, I didn't know what to do. Um, but personally, I take that as God knowing that obviously all these ODs wasn't my rock bottom. It was taking something that I cherished my entire life that I wanted, taking that away from me that he knew that would wake me up. And that's when I knew if I continue to keep going down this path, I mean, I'll be dead before I know it. So I couldn't, I couldn't keep going down this path. So the next day I literally called my uncle. I told him I needed help because I knew I couldn't come up with the money to come back here. And he said, if you're really ready this time, I'll help you pay yourself to get in there. And I said, I'm serious, Mark, I can't do it. So he called up here and May 19th, I got a call that a bed was available and I came back. And this time I came because I knew I needed it. Not because my family knew I wanted to do it. It's because I wanted to do it. And I took this program 100% more serious. I mean, the brothers in here, man, I love all you guys. Like y'all have helped me through some of the toughest times I've ever had here. Like it's, it's hard when you're in here sometimes. I'm not gonna say every day's a breeze because it's not. I mean, when you first get in here and you're coming off of things, there's a bunch of book work to do, but they're trying to keep your mind busy to the point where you forget about things like that and what you're going through. And I mean, I love this place to death. Tom has helped me a lot. Daryl Floyd's helped me a lot. I mean, I can't, Blake, like that man right there, like he's helped me more than anything. Every single morning he notices me, he says, good morning. You know, it's just little things like that, man. When somebody just says good morning to you, when us addicts don't have people that feel like anybody cares about us, I mean, it means everything. I mean, and it gave me the strength to keep going. I mean, I can't thank God enough every day that I'm still here, you know, breathing, being able to share this story with anybody that's listening, you know, and I mean, coming back this time, I mean, it made me the man that I needed to be. I can't thank Gary enough for the marriage counseling that we went through. I mean, I got married September 29th. I mean, that right there was huge for me. I'm, I'm learning how to become a better husband. I'm learning how to become a better father for that little girl right there that I love more than anything. Um, becoming a better son, a better brother. I mean, just becoming a better family man, the person that I used to be that I thought I lost forever. And I mean, I can't do anything, but thank you guys enough for everything y'all done for me all the brothers here. I mean, anybody, all you guys, I love all you guys. And I just, I can't appreciate it enough, but every day I strive to be the best person that I can be. You know, I get up, I pray, I go to work. God, give me the strength to be the best person that I can be today and hopefully pick somebody up that doesn't know you that I can share your word through them and hopefully they'll find you. And I just live that day by day. Thank you. Now turn over to our last one, Mr. Sam Wright. Good evening, everybody. Um, so yeah, these guys are hard to follow up, but, uh, so 
I want to talk more about uh, what's happened since I've been here. Um, my path here was pretty similar to theirs, but um, since I've been here, um, I came in very broken, very wounded um, from a lifetime of being broken and wounded, just living in that. And um, so uh, I sat down, spent a lot of time with Tom starting out and um what i needed was an identity to figure out who i was and uh so we started in ephesians for a couple of months and um read over it and over it and uh finally uh, about a month into it he said so here's what i'm wanting you to do and uh i've been picking out verses and digging through things with his instruction, he said, uh, our ultimate goal in this is to uh, create an identity for myself that um, that God says I am, right? It's not about who this guy says I am or that guy or not even about what I say I am. Um, this is what God says I am. And I want to share that. Uh, this is a longer form. I have a shorter form that... Uh, I repeat to myself, I say in prayer every morning, every night, throughout the day when uh, I feel less than. And um, this is true for anybody in Christ. Um, it's just personal to me. It's, uh, I'm God's own workmanship, a confident child of the light. I was chosen and set free to live in truth, set apart and made right with God. And... Um, I stand firm on that every day, right? Uh, regardless of my emotion, how I feel. Uh, emotion is temporary. That's that's the biggest thing we got to learn here. Because um, we use the drugs to numb that and to get past that. And um, we don't have to live in that, right? Um, we stand firm on his word regardless. We, we set principles and morals in our life. And regardless of how we feel, this is the path I'm going. And um, so, yeah, currently uh, I've graduated, but I, I'm just getting my head above water. So me and this guy, we've chose to stay another, they say three months, but there's two steps and it's three months apiece. So another six months here uh, to continue to learn and uh, give back and teach what we've been given because the only way to keep what we have is to give it away. Amen. So uh, we got a few things we want to hand out to our graduates. So we have a coin that we give all of our graduates when they graduate as kind of a personal memento. It's something that they can keep in their pocket, keep in their wallet, as going back to what Sam said, a constant reminder of our identity in Christ, that we are um, protected, that we're shielded, that we're guarded, that we're strengthened by him and his presence every day in our lives. Because as it has been a struggle here, um, that struggle um, doesn't stop here. In fact, it usually intensifies. And so being reminded of what we have in Christ that can give us every victory we need is critically important. So um, I want Blake to come up first. And I have your coin here. So congratulations. And your certificate says, His Way proudly presents this certificate of completion of Blake Potvin. 
He entered, sought, found, and successfully began living his way dated February 13th of 2023. Congratulations. And Mr. Sam Wright. There's your coin. And your certificate says, His Way proudly presents this certificate of completion is Samuel Wright. He entered, sought, found, and began successfully living his way, dated March 4th of 2023. Congratulations. And Mr. Ronnie Hicklin. His way proudly presents this certificate of completion. Ronnie Hicklin, he entered, sought, found, since began living his way, dated March 11th of 2023. Congratulations. Um, one of the uh, things that I know Sam mentioned is that we have an advanced recovery group for those who so choose to um, continue on in the program, either three to six more months to, as Sam mentioned, kind of start giving back what we have received. And so uh, tonight we're going to have our lone ARG guy right now. Mr. Seth Bond is going to uh, um, go through your induction and uh, get your band. So both of you guys want to come on up and stand with Seth. Say congratulations to all three graduates tonight. It has been uh, a pleasure to watch each of you come in and uh, grow with the Lord each day. All right. The Advanced Recovery Group Pledge. As a member of His Way's Advanced Recovery Group, you will be expected to be a servant leader just as Jesus taught when he told his disciples. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be a servant. Jesus also said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. As a member of ARG, you will be entrusted with an important role at His Way Ministry. Because you have been given much, much opportunity, much love, much forgiveness, much mercy, and most importantly, much grace. Finally, Paul instructed his young disciple Timothy to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. So Sam Wright and Ronnie Hickland, as members of ARG, do you vow to be a leader? Do you vow to serve the His Way residents and ministry? And do you vow to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness? Based on the vow you have made before God, your brothers, and your community, we would like to welcome you to the Advanced Recovery Group. Congratulations, gentlemen. And if I could, could I have all of our advanced recovery group uh, as members to come up so we can pray for the guys? All right, guys, let's bow our heads. Lord, today as Sam and Ronnie discern the meaning of their call to be servant leaders, help them recognize the ways you seek to minister through them. With the knowledge of your abiding presence, may they have the courage to reach out and support one another, to stand firm in what is true, and to decrease when others should increase, and to lead with vision and compassion as faithful followers of Jesus, your Son. And it's His name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. 
It's with great gratitude, Heavenly Father, that we come before you thanking you for this time, rejoicing with uh, Blake and Sam and Ronnie and as they have completed this part of a journey, thankful for the work that you've done in their lives to help them change their lives and uh, to go from being useless to being very useful in your kingdom. We pray that you'll be with them and bless them, and we're thankful for all those who, and their families and friends who support them and have helped them along their journey. We pray that you'll just continue to be with them and help them always to put you first and know everything else will take care of itself. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.